0: Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Gene Baresen. And today, um, we have a special guest, and it's quite appropriate because this month is Autism Awareness Month. Uh, I'd like to introduce Dr. Hilary Bush, who is a neuropsychologist uh, at the Learning and Emotional Assessment Program at Massachusetts General Hospital, aka the LEAP Program, Uh, And you probably know about the LEAP program because um, one of our other co-directors, Ellen Broughton, is the director. Uh, And Hillary has spent her career working on uh, the psychological testing of kids from 2 to 22 and doing research on developmental uh, challenges, uh, both emotional and cognitive, meaning the way people think. Uh, And today, we're going to be talking about something a little different, not somebody that she's tested but um, who she grew up with. And so Hillary wrote an incredibly moving blog, I think, uh, about growing up with a dad who was probably on the autism spectrum. Uh, and if you want to take a look at that blog, it's on the, the Clay Center website. So a lot of the questions and conversation we'll be having will be a little bit about growing up that way. Um, Hillary? Welcome.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: <laughs> so, uh, you know, when I read your blog, it struck me that you kind of noticed that something was different about your dad. So that and you mentioned a couple things that struck out that stuck out to me. One was that you went you, you went to a Kiss concert with him <laughs> and that he seemed to be really uh, uncomfortable by the amount of sensory stimulation. You also mentioned that he had trouble decisions, making decisions with your mom, that um, he seemed to lack relationships with other adults. Um, and I think most strikingly, he had trouble saying that he loved you. So those were like four things that that struck me as unusual. As a kid... How, how did you understand those behaviors?
1: Those are great questions. So as a kid, I didn't know anything about autism or being on the autism spectrum. I didn't have that knowledge. I didn't have that vocabulary. And I actually came kind of late to that knowledge and the, that vocabulary um, compared to other people in my shoes. So growing up, I thought my dad was kind of quirky and um, and kind of different from the other kids' dads, but not in a bad way. Um, if you know the expression "marching to the beat of your own drum," that's totally what my dad did.
0: So um he, and of course, he's the only dad that you knew.
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> now, were you an only child, or, or were there other kids in the family?:
1: I am an only child.
0: So now that's interesting because, you know, if you have a sibling, you could say to your sibling, hey, what do you make of this? But you didn't actually have another uh, you know, brother or sister to kind of talk with, right?
1: I didn't, but I did have a mom.
0: <laughs> and so how, how did you, what did you ask your mom when you were kind of noticing the quirkiness? What did you say? To, what did you ask her?
1: Well, what I, I can share, to answer that question, I can actually share how my family dynamics kind of look different from those of other families. So my parents were happily married, but we didn't all live in the same house. And that's pretty typical for kids whose parents are separated or divorced. It's less typical for kids whose parents are married. But we didn't all live in the same house. We would spend weekends together at my dad's house. My mom and I would spend weekdays together at my mom's house. And a couple of days per week, my dad would come to stay with us, visiting in the afternoon and overnight at my mom's house. And I knew that this was not how most families rolled. And I knew that this was really different from how a lot of my other friends were kind of living their family lives. So when I would like ask my mom, like, why do we do this? Why do I go to a different house on the weekends? And it's an hour away. Why, why are we living like this? Like her answer was like, this is what we do. This is our family. This is what works for us. And so we do it. And it might look different, but that doesn't make it bad.
0: So when you had friends over, how did you explain that? To, I mean, your friends must have thought, well, this is a little strange. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what did, how, did you, how did you explain it to your friends? So
1: in a way, I was kind of buffered by this because I went to an independent school for middle school and high school. Um, It was a day school where students from lots and lots of different um, communities would come to the school. And it wasn't super common for me to go over to my friends' houses or for their friends to come over to mine. Um, So in a way, I didn't really have to explain my dad or, or give friends a heads up about my dad. Um, But when you ask about friends coming over and getting to know my dad, I guess the friends, the the special friends who comes to mind was my boyfriend, who later became my fiance, who is now my husband. And when he first met my dad, I was like, oh, how is this going to go? (laughs) But my dad, possibly being on the spectrum, had some really, really specific interests and things that just made his life shine. And one of those things was boat racing. And my husband, Devin, learned pretty quickly that if you want to get in good with my dad and if you want to have something to talk about, ask him about his boat, ask him about racing. And my dad was thrilled, he loved this. So from very early on, Devin and my dad got along great. (laughs)
0: That's that's really cool. Well, obviously, it says a lot about your husband, too, that he knew how to connect.
1: <laughs> he did. He does. And,
0: and as a professional, you know, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about, you know, some of these high-functioning people on the spectrum often have, you know, very, very specific interests, if not obsessions about certain things, right?
1: That's right. That's one of the very common things that we see in people who are autistic as having um, very narrow, very deep interests um, that can range a lot of different topics and areas. One um, of my dads happened to be boat racing, um, but there's really a diversity in what people like and get really into. And it's it's not a bad thing. Oftentimes it can lead someone to a hobby that they can enjoy throughout their lives. Um, sometimes it's actually a way of connecting and a way of being social, if you're able to find other people who are into that thing as well. And for some people, it can become a career.
0: Uh, Did he take you out on boats?
1: He did. (laughs) (laughs) He did. That was another really cool thing about my dad um, and how I felt just really connected to him is that he would invite me into his interests. They weren't private interests. Um, They were things that he just very much wanted to share. So um, we would get to do cool things like boating and outdoorsy stuff and fishing. And it's really cool because I think those are the kind of activities that could kind of fall within gender norms or gender lines. But it never occurred to my dad not to do those things with me only because I was a girl.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. But it's also, uh, you know, tell us a little bit more about this. I mean, a lot of times when people... Uh, hear about autism or autism spectrum, they, um, they think of people as not being connected, of being detached, of not being able to make attachments. Um, but it doesn't sound like that was your experience with your father, that you found ways of connecting with him that we don't typically think of, uh, of, of uh, folks who are on the spectrum.
1: That's right. And I think that that's a really common misconception that people on the spectrum aren't interested in other people, that they don't care about connections or relationships. In my personal life and very much in my professional work, I very, very commonly find that to be not the case. Quite often the opposite is true. And by doing things with my dad and spending a lot of time with my dad, I know you had mentioned before how my dad, he wasn't a super verbal guy. Like, It's hard for me to count the number of times I heard the words, I love you, but I never questioned that. And I never really felt disconnected from him because of the quality time we would spend together and all the fun things that we would do together.
0: So so when we think about, about connections, how did he express his connection to you i mean you know did he look into your eyes did he did he touch you did he communicate in a certain way was he just did you have a feeling that it was his presence i mean what was it that made you feel so connected so
1: i think one of the things that lines up with being on the spectrum but also can be a strength in parenting is being really dependable and reliable, and loyal, and there for you. And my dad was absolutely all of those things. He never left me guessing, and he always did what he said he would do. He was always where he said he was going to be. And like I said, there was really no guessing. He was a really, in a lot of ways, a transparent guy, even if the social communication piece um, wasn't always there. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it makes a lot of sense, and actually, it it, it dispels another myth about about uh, autism, uh, and that is is that um, uh, that that uh, we we don't we tend to see people that have problems or the differences as being weaknesses, but this is obviously what I'm hearing is is that this was actually a strength that this was a parenting strength that somebody on the spectrum could provide a, a young child by that kind of regularity and continuity and structure. And sometimes even the most high-functioning parents and plenty of doctors and lawyers and business people and very high-functioning people don't have that kind of structure and reliability. But here's somebody who we would see as challenged and actually has great parenting skills. So it's actually a, a strength.
1: Absolutely. I think the strengths are always there. And just because something is different, it doesn't make it bad.
0: So it may be a new, a different model when we look at people that have certain kinds of quote disorders or problems Mm -hmm. that we see them as, um, flaws or weaknesses rather than looking for what their strengths are.
1: I think we, in a profession, kind of fall into this trap. And in a way, I can see how and why that happens. And it is important to have a sense of where someone's weaknesses are. Like those are really important because a goal of any sort of treatment would be to try to fill in those gaps and give skills and teach skills so that those don't have to stay so weak. But having a really good knowledge of where the strengths are and understanding that everybody's strengths are going to be different, that is such a powerful tool that you can really leverage and use to your advantage when you're thinking about how you're going to intervene to make the weaknesses stronger.
0: So it kind of reminds me about some uh, people that have, say, mood disorders. Um, And uh, we know that um, despite how terrible depression or bipolar disorder might be, that there may be a great sensitivity. Some of our greatest writers and musicians and creative people um, use their mood disorder to channel deep emotions and feelings. And we often forget that when we think of mood disorders. Is it similar?
1: I I think it can be. I think that there are always silver linings and there are always strengths. That's one of the reasons why I love doing what I do in neuropsychological testing because my goal as a tester is to figure out someone's weaknesses but also to figure out their strengths and both are really important.
0: So um did did your dad teach you something about relationships that that you use now <laughs> that you're grown up? <laughs>
1: <laughs> whatever that is
0: whatever that is yeah, we never grow up really but i mean any
1: day now <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so what what did he teach you that you actually will build into your relationship with your husband with your friends and you know with your own kids with the kids that you test
1: yes there are two things that come to mind and these things both of them that i'm about to share they certainly do come from my dad but they come from my mom too who is not on the autism spectrum. So it comes from their dynamic. So the first thing that I learned and very, very much try to embody is how important and how helpful it can be to be flexible. I think the moment that we start getting rigid about things or really dig in our heels, it leads to suffering. I think it leads to suffering Mm and situations that just aren't good. And my dad, quite possibly, probably being on the spectrum, being flexible was not his forte. I think it was really hard for him to be flexible about things. But I will say that for having had a relationship with my mom and for having become a parent, he became way more flexible in his life than he would have otherwise had he not had those relationships. My mom was much better at being flexible, and she um, had a lot of social graces and a lot of social skills. Julie, an extrovert, and um, and I saw a lot of compromise on her part and and also on his part, and um, and I think if you live long enough, l- excuse me, if you live long enough, life is going to throw you curveballs. Things are going to happen, and I think the best defense we have for dealing with those things is a good dose of flexibility. The other thing that comes to mind that I learned from my dad, but also from my mom too, and their dynamic is how helpful it is to be your own person and to not lose sight of that when you're in a relationship and how really the only shots that you can call are your own and when you start trying to call other people shots or making decisions for them, that's another thing that's going to lead to a lot of suffering.
0: It's interesting that you say this because it's, it's kind of an extreme, but um, what I always learned um, in doing family and couples therapy and learning about couples is that um, complementary relationships are the strongest. In other words, if two people are too much alike, it's, it, it often doesn't work out as well as when people have their differences. Uh, I'm kind of clasping my hands to, because complementarity is really a, a, a great strength. So your, your parents really exemplify that.
1: They did. They did. They were, they were very, very good compliments to each other.
0: And, and it sounds like they were both accepting of each other and who the other person was.
1: Very much. That's a really great thing that you're pointing out. I think there was a lot of acceptance and I think being flexible is kind of a show, a way of showing that you're accepting.
0: Yeah. So, uh, l- let me switch a little bit to your professional role. So, so when you're, uh, advising your uh, clients about helping their kids, um, uh, have you had situations where you've had to kind of help one member of a family, except like another kid, let's say, except a parent as being on the spectrum. Have you, have you been in that professional role?
1: I have and I haven't. I've been in that role where parents have had things going on other than autism. I have, I look forward to the day, but I haven't yet have been in the position where I've worked with a patient, and the patient's parent has a diagnosed autism spectrum disorder, and that's the reason for being, huh. for coming to me and seeing me.
0: Well, I'm sure it'll come up. But let me just make the other side of the coin. And that is, what have you learned growing up like this that helps you explain to a parent how to accept a child who's got the challenges of being on the spectrum?
1: So again, I kind of go back to flexibility and trying to keep a really open mind about what is possible. Um, I really try to draw from strengths. It's the most important thing that I think people can get out of an evaluation with someone like me as a really good understanding of where their strengths are or where their child's strengths are. And I really try to bring it back to those. You also have to acknowledge that yes, there there are difficulties, there will be challenges ahead, but there are a lot of possibilities. There are a lot of really good ways that this can turn out and look at these awesome strengths that you have to draw from. So I'm able to be really hopeful and also sincerely hopeful, not a Pollyanna, but someone someone who's lifted, someone who kind of knows the course and someone knows how, how good it can be.
0: Uh, the other question I'd have, I want to get back to your family just for one minute. Uh, the three of you weren't the only members of your family. I mean, so your parents had relatives. How did other members of the family accept your dad? and And did that raise any issues? in your life
1: so my family is really really small <laughs> <laughs> really my dad was an only child as well and my mom had two siblings um, and they're they're i mean they're lovely we're a close family but we're a small family and we're also kind of a geographically spread out family um, i think my dad Really valued family. He really did family connections were really important to him And there was never a holiday or an event or an occasion that he was not present for or not a part of And um, and I think they were really good at showing a lot of kindness Towards him and also a lot of acceptance
0: So, uh, one other uh speaking of kindness and acceptance um did you learn kind of a special way of talking with your dad i mean sometimes we we you know with 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 different people we have often different languages even though we're all speaking english but i mean we have different ways of communicating did you find a special way of communicating to get through to him
1: i found that with my dad it was really helpful to be direct and clear because he's someone who wanted to please and really wanted to do well and someone who wanted to be a good dad. And I think just like all dads, not autistic or not, all dads, all moms sometimes wonder, how do I do that? Like, how, how do I be a good parent? And you don't, you don't always get it right. So my dad, if he couldn't understand what I was looking for or what I needed, or if I were upset about something or having a strong feeling about it, if I could describe clearly for him what was bothering me, then he was good to go. But if I left him with a lot of detective work to do, then I think he got confused. I think mm-hmm. that, that was a lot harder for him.
0: Was he also confused about emotions? So if you were if you were sad or you were happy or you expressed some emotion did he get it or did you have to explain to him what you were actually feeling so that he could understand it rationally
1: That's a great question. A question <laughs> my dad would always ask and this is one of those little <laughs> things that sticks in my mind. He would ask, "Is that good?" Like if I were telling him about something that happened at school, or about this project that I was working on, or about this opportunity or this thing that had come up. Before reacting to it, he would ask, Is that good? And he would mean it sincerely. And I think it, his, it was his way of asking, How, how do I react? Well, what's appropriate here? Is, is it good? <laughs> my dad, yeah, I think my dad was, was a bit more pragmatic. And he was someone who was very good about facts, but maybe not so much about feelings or having really deep conversations or discussions about them. And that's okay.
0: Yeah, but the important thing is, is that you knew that he loved you. You knew that he cared about you. You knew that he was connected to you. So he didn't have to say it overtly. He could say it in other ways by asking you, is it good?
1: That's right. My dad, he was a very good shower. And his actions, I know it's such a cliche, but his actions spoke a lot louder than words. It's important for kids to hear, I love you. It's also really important for kids to be shown, I love you. My dad was excellent at the showing. And my mom was excellent at the telling and the showing. Um, Like you were talking about before, how the best partnerships are complementary ones. Maybe that's true for parents because between the two of them, my needs, any kind of needs, including emotional needs, they were always met.
0: Well, we have to wind down. You know, I, I think um, hearing everything you're saying, it, it not only um, uh, it obviously affected your life, but uh, it taught you something very important. And I think my hunch is it makes you a better. Psychological tester to kind of understand the strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and uh, you know, we all use our life experience, but. Um...
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but I think that this is true for, for anyone in my role and anyone in my shoes. When you're a psychologist, you are the tool. And your, your experiences inform that. I'm lucky to have had some pretty unique experiences. So I'd like to think that I bring something pretty unique to the table.
0: Well, uh, we have to wind up. And I just want to really thank you for, for being present and telling you know, your personal story about this and, and dispelling some myths we have about autism spectrum.
1: Thank you again for having me and for a chance to tell my story, story that I do not tell very often. Um, in fact, the blog post was my first time kind of sharing this publicly. Um, I chose to share it though because I don't see or hear a lot of stories like mine, even though we're definitely out there. So I I hope other people will start sharing more too.
0: I think this is a a great way of looking at things is that um, we can all learn something from these who we are as people and our strengths and weaknesses. And um, for the audience, if anybody has any stories or comments about, their own parents on the spectrum or not, please uh, email us, contact us, let us know. And uh, it would be great to have you back, Hillary. We wanna do There's A lot of people are very curious about autism. The incidence is increasing. Many parents are struggling with it. And I think the more we we know about it from somebody like you who works uh, in this area and who's had a life experience, the better it is. Well, thanks a lot for being here. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time. I'm Gene Varesin.